Hey guys, Tucker here, co-host of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let you know that we're currently looking for more projects. So for any of you guys that listen to the show that may be an agent or otherwise that have a property that you're looking to sell, we'd love to hear from you. Obviously, we're looking to purchase properties that are maybe not best suited for the retail market or maybe they need to be redeveloped. So we do renovations and we do new construction so we could buy an existing home that maybe it smells like cigarette smoke, maybe it hasn't been updated in decades, maybe it's got some fun functional issues, some problems like that, or maybe it's just in an area that is best suited to take the house down, partition the lot, maybe build a couple new homes, or just build one new home in its place, and anything in between. So if you guys out there in Listenerland have anything that would be best suited selling to a development company like ours, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com, and when you go there, there's a contact us tab. Click on that, and you can send us a message, and we'll get back to you shortly thereafter. We'd love to hear from any of you guys out there that have a property like this, and hopefully we we can do a deal together. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 90 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. It's been a couple weeks, but we're back. We've got a great show. We've got a guest. Feels like we haven't had him on forever, Steve. Why don't you introduce our guest that has been with us, but hasn't been with us for quite a while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Fistolo, welcome back. You're always our favorite guest and our only recurring guest, regularly recurring guest. Yeah, it has been a couple months, but it's been busy and and you know sometimes we like to let these stories pile up so that we've got plenty of ammunition when we, we when we load the the Joe Fastolo gun and <laughs> start firing away. <laughs> I don't know if that's a PC uh, way to put it, but uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll call it material. The Joe Fastolo material. Huh? Perfect. Yeah. We it, I have to say on air that the what I said earlier. We're gonna touch on Joe's video. He did a nine minute forty second video, and we're gonna close with him talking about it and and a little bit about the master's backstory. But. I was teasing him. I said, Joe, Joe can talk for nine minutes and 40 seconds before he even opens up his eyes and wakes up in the morning. <laughs> That's about right. Comes pretty natural to him. I love it. I love it. We'll okay. keep his monologue to nine minutes and 30 <laughs> seconds to end it. So, <laughs> well, Let's get started, guys. The first couple things we're going to talk about is probably, I can assure you, is something that is on the hearts and minds of every one of our listeners is something they probably think about multiple times a day and is impacting us all. And it's just kind of the the condition of the market we're in, what the market cycle, what we're seeing, what we're feeling, what our clients are saying and experiencing, what the media is saying, and then and then where we think it goes from here. There was a couple different posts. I'm not going to necessarily read them. I mean, one of them was pretty pretty short and to the point. Why do you think the market has made such a rapid shift? Did we just run out of qualified buyers? Buyers are hesitant to move forward. People stop moving to Portland all of a sudden. And I guess I did read the post, by the way. <laughs> but um, there was some great comments on this, talking about interest rates and all sorts of stuff. Joe, you also, on one of them, I think it was on a different one, you had a different take. You talked about the 10-year cycle, and you also talked about seasonality. Why don't you fire it off, Joe? Okay. Well, so there's a lot of cycles in real estate. You have your your 10-year wavelength, and you have your annual wavelength. And it's 
really funny because every September, October, it slows down a little bit. And come February, March, it picks up again. But around that time, everybody turns into Chicken Little, right? The sky is falling. We were hitting a bubble and all this other stuff. And it's, it's shocking to me. So I've been doing this a long time. And you see these trends in the workplace, right? Usually around September, October, November, a lot of title people get laid off and some lenders get laid off and all these people get laid off because the thing that kills companies happens to be salary and you know rent or mortgage payment, right? But then they all get rehired again in February or March. And, and the real estate market is similar to that wavelength. It slows down and then it picks back up. But the people who haven't seen that trend again and again and again run around like Chicken Little thinking, hey, the sky is falling. And I can't tell you how many threads. Uh, Don Cordner had a great thread. She, she threw out like a headline, which is lots of buzzwords. There's a big, scary, soft, shifting bubble on the horizon. And then, you know, hey, now that I have your attention, let's be careful of our language, right? So there's two ways to explain the same thing. I can explain our market as a benefit to our buyers, or I could sell it like it's uh, like you have spinal meningitis, right? You have to be conscious of your verbiage because it's contagious. And there are lots of reasons why this market's amazing. Finally, the buyers have a little bit of relief. They can buy something. We're not going so fast and furious. We're building a little inventory. The rates are going up, but over the last 40 years, they're ridiculously low. So people need to really watch their speech because panic spreads rampantly and there's just no call for panic at the moment. A little sidebar there, and I don't I want to let you keep running with this, but Steve, do you remember, because we were both in the mortgage business, it was probably like 2004 and rates one morning hit like five and a half percent for the first time. And it was like, oh, my God, manna from heaven. Uh, money was falling from the sky. And that was five and a half percent. Just looking at it from a different lens. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's exactly thought. right. Yeah. Just just keeping things in, I guess, the right frame of mind or looking at it from the right frame. So. Anyway, keep going. Are you saying, Joe, you don't think there is a, I mean, cause you did also talk about in your post, the 10 year cycle, which, you know, if you do the math from 2008, we're back about 10 years, almost to the year. Do you think there's that going on? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of influences to what's happening. I think we're going to pick back up just like normal next year, but what's normal, Joe, normal uh, 2016 normal or new normal. I think we're going to continue to have a great market. I don't think we can sustain appreciation like we've had. So people are going to be selling. We've appreciated since 2013. Maybe we're going to maintain a little bit. But, I mean, people are talking about the real estate market is going to crash and and two-thirds of the realtors are going to leave and we're going to be replaced by robots and everything else. And that's not happening. We're going to have another terrific year and the market has to sort of correct to our inventory and our interest rates and our demand. Yeah. 
You and I don't usually disagree a ton, Joe, <laughs> but yeah. I think I, I think I, I don't necessarily agree on that. I think we're in for a new market that is a down market of sorts. Here's what I'm seeing. I mean, there were some great posts here. I'll read one of them. This was Tara Ballinger, and she got 39 likes on this and a bunch of I agree, me too's. What she said is she said, buyers are just not okay with what they are getting for the money. And interest rates increase made it worse. Rents have leveled. I think actually I'm hearing rents are down, by the way, guys. I think a substantial market correction would bring buyers back, but you're asking first-time buyers to double their monthly payments to live in much less nice place than they're renting. It's a tough sell. My buyers seem completely ambivalent and in absolutely no rush to move forward. At open houses, the number one question I get is how long has it been on the market? They see what's happening and they're waiting for a price reduction. They feel it's a buyer's market coming. I agree with her. And I also, here's the other thing I'll add. The sellers don't quite get that yet. And that I think is the biggest challenge in our market right now. I think the market will be fine very soon, probably six months to a year. And what will be the defining moment is when the sellers understand that post right there. And because here's the good news. The sellers out there have tons of equity. They all do. They've ridden this thing up for six years. Most sellers you and I meet with, Joe, are sitting on, in many cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity. So this is a psychological problem. It's it's a stubbornness problem. It's not a, uh, oh my gosh, I can't lower my price because I'm. it's going to be a short sale and I'm not willing to do that or what, whatever. Right now, we're at this juncture where the buyers are feeling what Tara just said in that post. Yet the sellers are still feeling like it's 16, 2016, 2017. They're still fresh in their minds what their Zestimate said, you know, a year ago when they checked it. And they're not willing to move away from that. I think as months turn into years, you know, somewhere in the, in the coming near future, that will change. And they'll just go, gosh, I got to move. I, you know, I got to relocate. I got to buy a bigger house. I got to downsize, whatever their need is. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Let's just drop the price or let's just go on the market at this price. And then the buyers will start coming back and they'll be, we'll be able to connect those, those two parties, which is always an important component in successful sales. <laughs> so what do you think, Tucker? Well, it's interesting because I've seen data to substantiate both of your claims, right? In terms of like watching, like I watch the areas that we operate in very closely and I kind of see, okay, what's sitting, what's moving, why did stuff move? Friend of mine, builder, just sold a house for an astronomical number on a street in Lake Oswego that, I mean, he beat the record by half a million bucks. And then there's other stuff further down the street that's been sitting and has had $200,000 in price reduction, right? So... I think we're in a market where the market has grown a conscience and that conscience is aware and also awareness of what type of product it is that's truly on the market and does it have any shortcomings or functional obsolescence or challenges with it that are either factored in or not factored into the price. And so I think really it just comes down to if you don't have an exceptional property you don't get an exceptional price at this point in time. I think you get a decent price, right? And so everybody wants exceptional pricing regardless of what the property is. And so I think that's part of the issue. Um, you know, if you have a house that's well kept, but you've got a 90s kitchen and you've got aluminum windows, 
you don't, you can't really list that at a hundred cents on the dollar of what you could comp it for, right? Uh, for fully updated, like you have to factor in not only the cost of that, but a little pain in the ass factor and just marketability, you know, number to some extent. And then you put it out to market and it probably still sells. But that's the disconnect, I think, is that people are pricing those things at a higher number than they truly should sell for. And I think Joe's right too. We have kind of a, I agree with him in the fact that I think we're going to pick up again, but we do have a convergence of two cycles, right? We have our an annual cycle, which last year, you and I had the same show, Steve, and I was beating the drum saying, all right, we've hit it. This is the wall. It's, you know, e-brakes getting pulled. We're flatlining uh, moving forward. I was wrong, but I thought that's where we were. Um, this year, I think we're, I mean, we've got the 10-year cycle, as Joe mentioned, that is, we're there. And we have our seasonal cycle layout on top of that. We have interest rates climbing, but historically interest rates climbing doesn't negatively affect the real estate market. If you look at the overall um, uh, trends on that on a long term uh, from the you know mapping or whatever you want to call it. But one of the big factors that we do have on top of that that we haven't had in the past is bond measures and property taxes, which also factors in. That's basically like a higher interest rate. And for whatever reason, our voters have just loved to vote through all kinds of stuff that raises that. And so at the end of the day, when people start looking at houses and they start looking at the numbers on what their monthly obligations are, when those property taxes now are pretty damn high, that factors into what people are willing to pay as well. So I think there's there's a whole variety of things going on here, but I think that we'll probably pick up a little bit from where we're at as we head out of the holiday season and end of the year and the seasonality, like Joe says. But to your point, Steve, I kind of agree that the market will continue to punish those properties that aren't, you know, worth 100 cents on the dollar. And there's going to have to be a connection made with sellers. They're going to have to recognize the true value of their product. And when realtors tell them that, they got to be open to hearing it. And I don't know that necessarily all of them are open to hearing it, which is, um, you know, that's a challenge for you guys because you then have to walk that line of, you know, I want to add to my business of listings, but are these people ready to hear the truth, right? And I, I don't know how you handle that because I'm not an agent. Yeah. The other thing I would say is watch watch the professional home buyers. I'm I'm hearing and seeing, and, and Tucker, you'd know this better than me, that flippers are starting to, to sit out a little bit. Um, they're starting to pause and stay on the sidelines, not eager to get that next purchase done and start a new project. To the point where I will even tell you, I'm getting some calls from hard money lenders trying to drum up business, which is not something I've you know experienced historically. Where they're 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 calling around, going, "Hey, who do you know that's you know looking for some some dough? We we've got some funds sitting around, and and we'd love to do something." Would you agree with that, Tucker? Are you seeing people? Yeah, there's guys going back. Um, you know we. We have seen a definite slowdown in the activity of on the house flipping side because um, we're kind of one foot in the house flipping world, one foot in the in the home building world, and there's definitely a slowdown there. the The problem there that is occurring is that, and this goes back to my point about how on one side of the street, you know, a builder friend of mine sold a house for an astronomical number. On the other side of the street, uh, same street, um, just a little further down, a rehabber that I don't know has had two hundred thousand dollars in price reductions. Right, so those guys that got in the market that kind of thought the market would carry them to success regardless of what the product is and got a little overzealous on their pricing and also took on expensive money, 
they're getting bucked off right now. They're or they're feeling a little bit of pain, and that pain translates to exiting the market and maybe not being so enthusiastic about this wonderful world of house flipping where you make tons of money and uh, you know it, it's all as it appears on the TV shows, right? So we are definitely in a cycle there uh, where a little bit of contraction is happening. And then, of course, the hard money lenders start calling because they need to deploy funds that they've raised to lend it out at a higher price, which is why you're probably getting those calls. It's an interesting time. We're in that kind of influx time. We've been here before. We've all been in the business during these influx times. I don't personally feel like, you know, the chicken little running around. I don't think any of you guys do either. But we've cycled, you know, um, Joe cycled more than we have because he's been in the business longer, but we've all cycled at least a couple of times here. And so we've, we've seen these influx times and it's just, I guess it just comes down to being realistic with yourself on what you truly think is going to happen and not talking yourself out of it. Because l- last time, I don't know if you remember this, Steve, Joe, you probably do too, but remember last time about 2000, end of 2006, everybody was talking about, we're going to have a soft landing. Soft landing was the like the verbiage that remember, was being put remember out there. Alan, right? Alan yeah. Greenspan said the housing market looks a little frothy, <laughs> a little frothy, but we're going to engineer a soft landing for it. And uh, that soft landing was the plane crashing into the friggin' mountain. But anyway, I, I, it's a different world. It's a different market. But I think we have to be honest with ourselves in terms of you know what the challenges are and ultimately where does that pricing fall? Because all houses sell. It's just a matter for what price and. So I think the exceptional products still get exceptional pricing, but I think those products that are not exceptional, you know, you've got to factor that in and and the market's not going to carry exceptional pricing for a mediocre product. Yeah. You got anything to add there, Joe? You know, I think we all kind of roundabout said the same thing. It's sort of like uh, your money manager, right? If, if they invest a lot of your money in stocks, whether you make money or you lose money in stocks, they still make money. And so part of my market speech is, are we all going to have to like pick up an Uber shift, you know, twice a week to maintain our (laughs) lifestyle? I don't think so. The market slows down right now seasonally. We have a 10 year correction. I think we're we're not going to give up our our country club memberships. It's going to be a little bit different. But I, I do think when the the switch flips come March or April, I think we're going to have a, a pretty good run next year until it slows down again seasonally. And then I think uh, we do have to do some leveling because we can't keep this up. Yeah. And along those lines, guys, it's not, it, it, there was a great post on one of these threads. I can't find it now where somebody said, yeah, it sure is nice to have a buyer find the property they love and there's no other offers and they can make a you know make an offer and the the seller has to work with them and so that is a huge benefit of this market and i'm truly appreciating that i i my team put 3 into escrow this week and all of them were that situation where we found a property in West Lynn for one of our clients and it'd been on the market 6 months it'd been on the market the same price for 3 months the good news with my buyer was she they smelled had, blood is what you're telling me. <laughs> my buyer had some urgency and some motivation. And so it sure is nice to have that, to be working with the buyer in that situation. And I am actually working with a lot more buyers. I think buyers are gold in this market. And so I'm, I'm happy to be on the front lines, you know, digging for the gold and working with them and showing homes more. And then as far as the messaging, I agree with that great post by, I think it was Dawn, where she was kind of joking about how do you talk to your clients about this? 
I think the messaging, here's what I've, I've appreciated it. Having worked with more buyers here in the last couple of few months, and I've tried a few different messages in this case, and not all of it's great. You know, if you start talking about market cycles, it can get a little scary. What I've just been doing that I've seen work well, keep it really short and simple. And I, I'm saying we are noticing the market shift more into the buyer's favor, which is a great opportunity for buyers when they find that special property oftentimes there's no one else interested in it or you know there's a little bit more time to, to make those decisions and get a little bit off the price and that is very different than what it's been for the last few years so to get too much more complicated than that can come across as scary obviously it's a different conversation with sellers i like to start with sellers by asking them have you been hearing a little bit about the changes in the market usually they they acknowledge they have and then and then you can be a little bit more forthright with them so much of our job is spinning things, right? When we list that house on a, the backs to 205, we say great freeway access. <laughs> <laughs> the same is true of messaging with, when it comes to markets. So anyways, let's move on to the next. You know, the freeway, if you squint your eyes a little bit and listen closely, it kind of sounds like the ocean. It does. It does. <laughs> it sounds like a shell, putting a shell to your ear. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, that's like okay. I'll remember that for our next back to the freeway listing description. Yeah. So let's. <laughs> hey, let's go on to Zillow. There's been a lot of a lot of chatter about Zillow lately, and there was a post here, and there's there's just a lot going on with Zillow, and I'm seeing some of it firsthand, and 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 not all of it's good in my eyes. I think I think our listeners might think that I have some love affair with Zillow, and and I, and have rose colored glasses on, and I've had my own share of frustrations. Let's be clear there. This post said, the Greater Las Vegas Association of Realtors has stopped their MLS feeds to Zillow. Is this the first domino or will this cause Zillow to get licensed in every state and join every MLS? Thoughts? What should our associations do? That was posted by Jesse Dill just recently. Tucker, you have some thoughts on on this. Yeah, I think we're an interesting time. And this kind of goes back to the the business that we're one foot in as well, which is the world of, of basically easy selling your house, right? Which, you know, a lot of people would call that the house flipping world, right? But the big bucks, the Silicon Valley money, there's been a lot of companies that have started up under the premise of you can sell your house very simply and easily in a day with no, basically you cut out a lot of the hassle and headache, right? And Zillow has gotten into that business. We had a show about it, uh, what, probably what, a year ago, Steve, maybe a little yeah. more about how they had this program that they were rolling out in Orlando. We had an agent on there. But the whole idea behind the program was that they were going to essentially give them such a low offer that it spins over to the agent as just a much better option to um, list your property than to allow whatever Zillow's investor representative, it, whoever it is, to buy it. It turns out that program has grown pretty substantially from my understanding. And so what I've gathered is that maybe that wasn't necessarily the truth. Maybe they were looking to gather the data of who's interested in potentially selling their house before anybody else and control that data and control those leads. And that I think is a situation where, um, you know, I guess realtors should be a little bit worried if they're giving them their money. Um, and what they do with those leads then is obviously up to them, but there's been a little scrutiny on how they handle that is my understanding, Steve. Joe, do you have any thoughts? Yeah. So it's funny. I, uh, I sort of was digging for a post I made, um, years ago, uh, when you can control third party 
organizations and if you want to participate with your company's listings. And, and I thought about this and it's like, you need to decide if you're on the bus or driving the bus. And these third party sites can control any of the fields that they share with the public. They control what type of virtual tours that you can post on those sites. Is it a video or is it just a URL? And a lot of times their info is is incorrect, but the whole purpose of these three property, uh, third property sites is to generate leads to give to the people that pay them monthly to support them. I've never really been a big fan of the unbranding in RMLS. I think if you're a listing agent and you're good, blast it out there. Let them know, let the buyers who don't have brokers, let them know who to contact. No one knows more information about the house than the listing broker. So I'm a big fan of telling the third party sites to piss off and keeping it real and keeping the the integrity of our information more accurate through RMLS, which is the source. And unfortunately, so many people share with these third-party sites. At this venture, if you don't, then you're going to have sellers pissed off. Hey, we looked on Zillow. We didn't find it. We looked on Trulia. We didn't find it. But if more and more people participate, RMLS will be the new norm. And I think that'll be better for all of us. Do you really think we could put the genie back in the bottle, though? Do you really think? I mean, because here's the thing. Consumers want that data. In this conversation, you know, the big bad wolf isn't necessarily Zillow. I think it's the consumer. The consumer wants to go online and do their own research. And all Zillow is doing, and and by the way, it's not just Zillow, Redfin, um, Realtor.com. All they're doing is providing the consumer what they want. I don't think we're going to be able to put that genie back in the bottle and just say, hey, consumers, you no longer get to do that. We're shutting... We're shutting all these down. The other thing I would say is, first of all, back to the back to the specifics of that post. I agree with Jesse, or I think I agree with him because I think he's right. So many people are afraid of Zillow becoming a brokerage. There is no more surefire path to them becoming a brokerage than shutting down their feeds. <laughs> I mean, they will they will not just close up shop. They will immediately establish a brokerage in every MLS. Whatever that looks like, I don't know what the requirements are. I don't know if they have to have a couple licensed agents in that office. Maybe they're, maybe they're, you know, they're just deadweight agents. Maybe, maybe they don't have to have agents. I don't know what it will look like, but they would immediately become a brokerage in every MLS, and they would get those feeds again. So that that isn't going to happen. The other thing is, okay, so let's say you could do it. Let's pretend for a second that. You shut their feed off in Vegas. By the way, Seattle has no Zillow feed, and they didn't go under there. In fact, they're based out of Seattle. Um, Seattle, the Northwest MLS has never had a Zillow feed, and um, one of my one of my friends up in Seattle who who does a lot of Zillow says he loves it. He his he specifically told me he goes, I love that Zillow, that Seattle doesn't have a Zillow feed because that means the listings are about eighty percent accurate on Zillow. So when somebody cl- hits me up on Zillow. And um, is asking me questions. I go, hey, let me turn you on to a real search. Zillow is missing a lot of information. So he says he thinks it's the best thing that ever happened was his feed getting turned off or never being hooked up. So if, if Vegas turns off the feed and then say every other MLS turns off the feed. And let's just pretend for a second that Zillow rolls over and dies. Okay. 
Where does the consumer go? Redfin. Guess what? Redfin doesn't sell those leads in the same way. So now Redfin agents just became the dominant force in the business. So I, I don't see that as being the answer. I, let me uh, clarify real quick, Steve. The, when I was talking about the the house flipping, the easy program, basically the, the point is, is that somebody comes to these platforms, right? And the platforms know before we as investors or agents know that somebody's interested in selling their home because they have the data that they're searching on their home, right? And then they collect that lead and they control that lead, whether that lead is a, I want to sell my home easily for cash or whether that's, I want to sell it for full retail via some type of listing platform so that more people can see it that's the point they control it and that's what they're doing with it then is what's kind of up for uh you know i guess moral debate yeah when these posts come up by the way guys online i i stay as far away from them as possible i'll talk about them a little bit here because there's a little bit it's easier to kind of express your thoughts and feelings and there's there's kind of a mob mentality on these posts <laughs> people are really really polarized or uh, uh you know passionate in their hatred of Zillow. And I want to be as far away from that on those posts as possible, um, <laughs> right, wrong, or otherwise. Um, I, uh, I will also say, um, that here I do have, I do have issues with Zillow. They have gotten a little greedy. They are charging too much for their leads. They, their, their ROI has slipped dramatically. And for those who haven't paid attention, it's gone a little unnoticed, but you start looking back at it. It, it, it really started when they went to their market-based pricing. You know, they went, it went from where you could basically use Zillow and it was like paying a 25% referral fee, maybe 20% at times in some markets. So now it feels like it's about a 50% referral fee. And, and by the way, that referral fee is paid up front. It's front loaded. You don't pay it at closing. You, you pay it up front and then you hope that you do a, a deal out of it. So it is frustrating I have heard from them. They are, they get it. Their stock has plummeted tremendously. A lot of agents have dropped Zillow um, or, or reduced their spend. Um, I think there is a lack of trust in them that is is warranted. Would Zillow does Zillow want to take over real estate? Absolutely. Doesn't everybody want to take over real estate? I mean, if Joe, if if you could flip a button and you dominated the the national real estate market, would you flip that button? I mean, sure. So, I mean, now does it make sense for them to become a brokerage in that process? They will say adamantly, and I believe them when they say it. No, we want to work with every brokerage. Why would we want to be Acme Brokerage and then suddenly alienate? You know. 60, 70% of the agents out there who have no desire to work for Acme brokerage um, because because they're like a Joe Fistolo. They own a brokerage or they're they're like me. We're, we're not going to go to their brokerage. So they would immediately lose all those opportunities. And by the way, if you're making 50% on every real estate deal out there, I don't think you need to own a brokerage. Are you making 50% on all your agents, Joe? I know we sure aren't. So their model is, their model doesn't need them to be a brokerage. I think the I think if every MLS started shutting them down, they'd go that direction to 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 save what they do have. Um, hey, which, Steve, question for you: When they have their lead intake, which is basically the the biggest thing here, right? Is they they know before everybody else somebody's potentially interested in in selling their home because they're checking their estimate or they're looking up stuff, right? They then get that lead in, whether it be a you know I need to I want to sell my house quickly or I need I want to sell it at retail via RMLS or something like that. Do they now, because I thought I read this, do they control the initial conversations with that yeah. lead? They do not patch through directly, right? 
Yeah, there's two type. There's two. There's two um, buckets these leads fall into. One where the lead goes on the site and goes, "Hey, one, two, three, Main Street. I have questions about this. Oh, look, there's Steve Nassar underneath it. Let me let me ask him." And they click on that. That lead will come straight to me and and me and or my team as the first point of contact. The vast majority of leads don't happen that way, and they've actually, in my opinion, engineered it this way. They prefer it not to happen that way. They're trying to steer them to where they just generically go, "I have questions about this house. I want to contact agent, no particular agent." Those leads now are being called by Zillow and then handed over live to the first agent that answers their phone in a in a particular order based on how much they spend, et cetera. Okay, and and, I, and I, you know, I, I thought I heard that they were internally Zillow was internally having the first conversation. Yeah, they are. And, yeah, yeah and, the, and their rationale or reasoning, which I highly doubt because people were paying a shit ton of money to get these leads, is that the um, re response rate or the pickup rate of agents on the phone in trying to connect these was very, very low. And so they thought these leads were going unaddressed. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I don't believe that fully either, Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some heated conversations. I was in California with their number two guy and he, I mean, I was the most vocal person in the room in a negative way. I'm like, what, what are we doing here? Right? Like they're, they're saying we have 50%, you know, before 50% of our people didn't respond to leads. I'm like, it, you know what it reminds me of? Remember that song by John Mayer? Um, uh, waiting on the world to change. He said, when you control the data, when, um, I forget exactly how it says it, but when you control the data, your messaging can be whatever you want it to be, right? Hey, the data says this. I mean, so I don't fully believe that either. It doesn't make sense to me that a lead comes in and somebody's, and the person who paid for that lead isn't calling them at some time, right? Now, maybe, is it an hour later? Is it three hours later? Okay, but that's different than saying they didn't call at all. Um, what I would question is, is there a bunch of garbage leads in there that aren't getting called back? I mean, we'll get leads sometimes where they go, hey, will the seller rent this house? Well, you know what? I'm probably not going to call you back. <laughs> and so I, I just think that data skewed, Tucker. I think that they're using that data to their advantage to to make it, to justify why they're on the front lines now. Um so. I totally agree. That's why I brought it up. I heard it and I was like, that is the biggest bunch of bullshit I think I have ever heard come out of. Uh, well, that's not the biggest, but it, it was a big line, <laughs> of, you know, hoo-ha, that's for sure. Yeah. So. They're having their problems. They're working on them. Um, they are smart people. They have, you know, I think, you know, kudos to them. They they identified a, a, a need and desire that the consumer has. Again, if anyone wants to hate on anybody in this process, hate on the consumer that wants that control and wants to be able to do the searches themselves. Um, and they've and they've built you know a platform based on that. Now, I think they've they've run into some challenges, and it'll be interesting to see how they do it. To sum up, I don't think you're going to stop Zillow by turning off MLSs. I think you're probably, if anything, going to going to cause them to do something everybody has not wanted them to do all along, which is kind of the 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 gist of that post. Hey, let's move on, guys, away from Zillow repair negotiations real quickly. We don't have to talk about this one long. I I like this one. We've talked about most stuff at least once on this um, podcast. This one was by Catherine Opp. She says, I believe repair addendums are for fixing health and safety issues. What are your opinions about including the cost of adding insulation to a 1930s house? That feels like a buyer is asking for upgrades, not repairs. What's your thoughts on that, Joe? Well, you know, th there's been a, a few repair addendum uh, threads lately, and... Um, 
I always go to the default of uh, some of the bright minds in this group where they throw something out and you can expect it to be a pretty decent answer. Um, a couple of people that come to mind, um, a buddy of mine, Garrett Chadney, uh, always seems to have uh, the right angle, the right answer. Billy Grippo uh, is really good, and, and I can name you know many more. I think repair addendums, you know, it's up for negotiation between buyer and seller. Now, you need to have some some substance behind it, right? It, it doesn't have to be only structural or hazardous conditions, or it doesn't have to be only lender requirements. If when a buyer makes an offer on a house, they're making an offer based on you know all the problems known and unknown at that time. And the reason why you have a professional inspection, a sewer scope, a, a radon, other various inspections is to find out kind of what's behind the curtain. You know, what's the absolute health of this house? With that knowledge, you can negotiate any way you want. You can say, well, look, I'm not going to have the sewer replaced right now, but I'm going to ask these people for a $6,000 credit, or I'm not going to have them repair these items. I'm going to ask for a home warranty. So no matter how you bundle it, you know, what label you put it under, buyers are going to want to be compensated for the problems of the house. And if it comes out to be sort of a frivolous, ridiculous request, there's probably more behind it. So um, the textbook answer is it's all up for negotiations between buyer and seller. And if the buyer doesn't feel comfortable, they have the right to pull the ripcord. And if the, if the, Seller, uh, you know, is, is feeling particularly uh, greedy, uh, you know, they can kill the deal. It mm -hmm. all has to be kind of within reason. And, you know, I've said before, you know, just like having uh, dinner at a Chinese restaurant, at the end, everybody needs a cookie. <laughs> and if they get their cookie, you're going to waltz down to escrow and you're going to close and everybody wins. So... I don't think there's any uh, standard or stipulation as to what you can and can't negotiate. But be cognizant that it's all how you present it as well. If you if you give a reason why you want $10,000 and the reason is so you can plant new sod or something like that, you probably need a better reason. But, you know, I think you fire away until the inspection period's over. Yeah. Yeah. You said it very well, Joe, and we don't need to go too far into this, but it's it's a two-part two answer. Yes, you can ask for whatever you want. No, you're probably not going to get it if it's not – if if <clears throat> no, you're probably not going to get it if it's an upgrade. Um, you know, you could ask, hey, I want you to paint the house pink, and there's when there's nothing wrong with the paint, the current paint, they're probably not going to do it. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So I thought it was an interesting question. You can absolutely um, – ask for that let's move on from i think that. there's a caveat though real quick because oh, Tucker. as the market changes you can ask for more that's true and people will do it that's and true. so i think to this person's credit 
as we get into a softer market, you could ask for new windows. If there's aluminum windows and they want vinyl and that's part of the deal and they decide that after inspection that they don't want to feel the cold wind blow through when they're walking, you know, in the wintertime and they want a new vinyl slider and some new vinyl windows. That could very well be asked for. And the seller in a softer market may be much more inclined to do it. So I think that um, market conditions have a lot to do with that. One other thing, obviously, is price, depending on where it's priced. But lastly, you gave me an idea, Joe. I think a new service needs to be started for yet another type of inspection for buyers before they buy a house. There should be a neighbor inspection. You should be able to hire somebody to check out your neighbor to see if you really want to live next to that guy or gal. Absolutely. I've had buyers over the years, a couple, knock on doors during the inspection period and not, I mean, maybe that's what they were doing, but they were pretend, they were doing it under the guise of, hey, I'm buying the new house, the house next door, just wanted to introduce myself. Not a terrible idea, I gotta, I gotta tell you, because if, you know, that's a, that's a good way to understand what you're buying into. Yeah, a neighbor PI report. That'll be yeah. uh, that'll be coming soon. Another branch of our company. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> cool. We were gonna touch on CenturyLock. There was a post about CenturyLock on Masters, and um, I just wanted to quickly thank RMLS and or CenturyLock or both. Um, first of all, it was a smooth transition. Um, I had about twenty six lock boxes to turn in, and um. We did it in a, you know, I, I was there for about an hour. A couple of my team members, obviously there was a lot involved in swapping those out on houses that I, I thank my team for helping with. But the, I, I think the biggest thank you I have is first of all, I think beyond the upgrade in boxes going to the Bluetooth, I, I think we all should appreciate that we all have brand new lock boxes all of a sudden again. Um, we had, it had been, I want to say four or five years since our last upgrade. Um, when we moved over to Century Lock, and I had just just a month prior been to one of my listings to show it to a buyer, and I had texted my team members, and I'm like, "Hey guys, uh, let's get this lockbox off here. It looks like crap because it was all falling apart and you know cracking open." And so we we removed it from that one and swapped it out. Well, now all of my lockboxes are brand new, so I really want to thank um, Armless and Century Lock for that, and then also. Thank you for the Bluetooth because I do love the Bluetooth. I've been showing a few more houses recently and gosh, it's so nice to not have to punch in that code. You just, you just go on your phone, hook up to it, put in your little pin and it magically opens. Those codes were kind of a pain in the butt and sometimes the buttons wouldn't work and it's just a better experience for us. And I, I, I'm really grateful for that. And by the way, for those who don't know this, RMLS spent millions of dollars. I don't know the exact number, but it's multiple millions of dollars for this upgrade um, that we all got for free. Joe, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, a couple thoughts. Um, the Bluetooth is great, uh, specifically when you're out in those rural areas, uh, you know, far out Clackamas County, up at the mountain where you don't have cellular. Uh, a lot of the mountain brokers uh, weren't getting Bluetooth because these darn things are 105 bucks or something like that. Now, we're not based on cellular, it's based on proximity, which is Bluetooth, which makes uh, our world much, much better. I wanna give kudos uh, to how well run uh, that swap out was, it was fabulous. I wanna shout out to RMLS, because they did subsidize a big piece of it. So all the people on Masters who complain about RMLS not doing this or that, you know, they subsidized to make this thing a one-for-one one trade 
So think about that before you decide to flame RMLS in the future. Um, make sure you program them exactly as you want and make sure that you set the button to not have it revert to default settings. So once you program it, flick the button to say, when the shackle is released, I'm keeping my settings. Uh, finally, a little master's uh, tip, if you haven't done your swap out yet, they release people uh, by sections. There's a right section and a left section. They release the right section first. So the best seat would be front row on the very right section because you will be first in line. And then they go right section, first row, second row, third row, then get to the left section. So if you want to go in and out, sit in the front row for a change on the right side. Back left is bad. Is that what you're Back saying? Back left is bad. That's right. <laughs> hey, Good you know one other, bit, one other um, supplemental benefit to the new lockboxes, Joe? Do you remember those posts over the years? I haven't seen one in a while, but there was posts over the years on Masters where they were complaining about buyers without an agent being given a code and showing up to a listing and letting themselves in and how, how you know, that was being abused. That is no longer possible. To do that now, you would literally have to give a buyer your phone, which no agent in their right mind is going to do. Um, so there's, there's that element as well of improvement to the, to the whole process. So thank you, RMLS. Um, thank you, Kurt Von Muth. Um, we still love you as president. I love that post. Remember that post, Joe, a few months back where <laughs> when RMLS made the changes to the new formatting and somebody goes on there and goes, we need a new president. <laughs> yeah. Kurt, Kurt goes on and he goes, well, this is a little awkward. <laughs> hey, I got to give him kudos for jumping in though. You know, he did. he's a good guy. He was a great guest on our Yeah, show. he's great. And he, he listens to our podcast. He's a friend of the podcast, and I'm sure he'll be listening to this. So thank you, Kurt. And uh, we like you as our president. We love you as our president. In fact, we need to get Kurt on here again soon because there's a lot more to talk about. That was before the coming soon stuff. That was before a lot of other changes. I want to know what he thinks about Zillow. Yeah, let's get down in the dirt. Oh, yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah, we could ask him. Should Are you guys going to shut off Zillow? Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. reach out to yeah. Kurt and get him on. Hey, and then, Joe, we're going to let you close out. You did a fabulous video on um, Masters. It was nine minutes and 40 seconds, by the way. Um, and we have a little time, so you can run with this one, Joe, um, where you you spoke to the um, the history of Masters, where it originated, why it originated, and, and you, you gave a little gratitude to some of the members. I think, first of all, bef you were very gracious, Joe. We all have a, the most gratitude to you. You are the originator of it. It, it was so unique and cutting-edge when it came out. In recent years, I've seen you know lookalikes and a lot of um, wannabes come along, including ones that have much bigger audiences. And I'll, I'll just tell you right now. I'll will start this off, Joe, and then um, <clears throat> there is that group. Most of our listeners probably are familiar with it. it's Lab Coat Agents, right? I hate that group. I will look at it occasionally. It is so overwhelming. First of all, there will be a post on there, and there's a lot of stupidity on there. But there will be a post on there, and within an hour, there's like 300 comments. And it's just, it's too much. It's way, way, way too much. It's like saying, hey, I'm hungry. Let's go, let's go out to dinner. And somebody throws, you know, a 20-pound slab of steak in front of you. I mean, it's too much. It, it loses the value. Not to mention 
I appreciate masters so much because we know the people. They're in our market. It's hyper local. It there's accountability because of that. On a, in a group like Labco Agents, there's some guy in Texas or you know or Virginia who doesn't know anybody else on that group, and he's just gonna say whatever comes to mind, piss everybody off, and there's no accountability because he's like, what do I care? I'm never gonna see these people. Masters is so different because people will. They, they do know each other. They, they are in the same market for the most part or, or close-ish to the same market. And, um, and there's just a higher level of accountability. There's a higher level of quality for that reason. And the posts are, are, are tasteful and, and, and more meaningful because they're just not so overwhelming. So um, I, I will say beyond being one of the first of its kind, Joe, it still is, is the best in my opinion. Um, for our market, for sure. I mean, the limitation is, you know, you're, it's doubtful that somebody in Florida is going to pop into the group, nor be allowed in the group for that matter, but, and find the value that we find in it. And, and I think the same could be said about our podcast too, Tucker. Hey, well, do you remember back when we started this thing? And this just gives Joe some kudos here, but we were like, who could we align with that has put together something really cool for this market, which is, or, you know, the Portland metro and surrounding areas. And, First name that came out of your mouth was Joe. Yeah, yeah. So it was a uh, it was it was a match made in heaven to to get us and Joe <laughs> together because we we have that niche for Portland that's so Portland based and um, so relevant to to this town. It's not going to go national, like nor nor would Masters in, in Real Estate, nor should it, nor would it would Joe want it to. But it's so relevant for the people in this market. So go ahead, Joe. Tell us a little bit about um, your video. Well, thank you, both of you. And, um, you know, I don't that was the first video I ever made. And, I, and that was an impromptu on the spot. Um, but what a perfect segue, uh, because when I was looking at Masters, I was just curious how long it's been around. And we're approaching seven years. And so my message was simple. Uh, I wanted to say thank you to all my brothers and sisters that uh, are in there. Uh, making relevant, constructive, positive posts and uh, respecting one another. And uh, I've, I've spoken to different uh, boards uh, and their association of realtors about masters, and they've heard my story, but some of the people in masters haven't heard the story of, of how it was created. So I just did a nine minute, 40 second rambling. Uh, but I think it does give a little bit of insight and I'm not going to repeat it, uh, word for word. Um, you guys can watch it. Um, but some highlights I have is, uh, you know, as it gets dark at four 30 at night and we have traffic and rain and the market is crashing and all the doom and gloom in the world, you know, let's not turn this in a place to uh, let's not turn it into a place where you can just come and rant. You know, if you need to relieve stress, take up yoga or go to some, go to lab coats and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let some steam out of the pressure cooker over there. I don't care where you go, take up kickboxing, but I want masters to be constructive. I want it to be positive. I don't want rants. Um, I want you to respect one another. And 
please help me police the site. If someone says, oh my gosh, my people need a rental somewhere, instead of jumping on and saying, hey, you know, my cousin has a rental, uh, you know, $1,200, and then it turns into a rental thing. You don't do that. You say, hey, knock that crap off. Joe doesn't allow <laughs> rentals here. This is why. It's a great group, and it's because we got to keep this integrity. So don't jump on board on the thread. Flag it and tell them, hey, this isn't allowed here. This self-promotion you're doing or, or whatever it is you're doing isn't allowed here. Help me out because there's only one of me and I need like five of me. So anything you guys can do to help. So when I engage again, I have flags and things ready for me to, to uh, look at. And um, let's see, uh, especially with uh, the, the new brokers and I want to make one thing clear. So this is for Realtors as well as real estate related services. If it were only Realtors, we would have limited information, but we have attorneys in here. We have lenders, we have experts. So if you need, you have an inspection question, wouldn't it be great to hear from an inspector or a law question to hear from an attorney? So for some reason, people thought it was Realtors only and it's not. But in the past, I used to say, hey, friend me, so I can see that you're a realtor or real estate related entity, but I can't do that anymore. You know, you're allowed 5,000 friends. I have 4,980. Joe, how, what happens at 5,000? Like, uh, can't you be, isn't there like a public figure component you can become so that you're, you can have more friends than that? Or did you look into that? Yeah. So Thankfully, you know, I'm far away from that, but I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, you could be like a public figure where you can, you know, people don't interact with you as much, but just sort of follow what you say. It's and almost like and a business so page. You, it becomes less personal. But yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, I noticed today in, in, in looking at Masters, there's 4,500 members there now, yeah. which is quite a bit. Even when I joined in 2015, I want to say there was about 2,500 or so. It's really grown. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I want to grow really slowly. Like mm -hmm. Labcoats was was created, and they had sixty thousand members, like inside of six months. Yeah, yeah. I don't want that. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I just uh, tell everyone to enjoy it, be constructive, uh, watch my video, and you know that was the first for me. But instead of my helpful hints that I made in the past by typing a thread. I think it might be a little better to throw out a video. So I might give helpful hints on what's a constructive way to post. Um, you know, whatever I think of, I might do it in video form because I can talk a lot faster than I can type. So I watched the video, Joe. It was awesome. Um, I loved your backstory. You it was started about seven years ago. The market was still really icky. You were slogging through the days. And you were trying to figure out, and you just and you uh, you were struggling with the business and just ha being excited and happy about it, and which is an important thing for you and everybody, I would hope. Um, and so you you wanted to build this community that could bring up the professionalism and and bring up the camaraderie amongst people, and it's just done such a great job of that. Um, there's so many great. I mean, what other forum do you have? where people can interact about things like, hey, I'm about to do my lockbox ex exchange. What 
what should I know? Where should I sit, Joe? Exactly. <laughs> should I sit the back left or the front right, right? Um, what other forum can you have where you talk about the coming soon situation and what's happening, what we're seeing, or the local market where everybody, you know, our podcast is is very different. I mean, it's mostly us talking, Tucker, but this is a, this is a forum where everybody can chime in. Um, they they both have their place, but for sure. Um, but it's it's just it brings together the entire community. It's it's awesome, and and there couldn't be a better person running it, Joe. And I'll tell you, I know that because I'm your Facebook friend in general, and you are just masterful at Facebook. You are so good at posting funny, interesting stuff. Um, I don't even know where you get it, but I'm almost on a daily basis laughing at something you found online. And I know you have secret places and se secret sources um, where you, that are your go-to places, and you and that your secret is safe there, but. But you, 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 if this whole real estate thing doesn't ever work out for you, Joe, you could become, you could go probably to the, some of the biggest corporations and be, let me be your social media. Um, Jose, Jose content creator guru. We'll put yeah, it that way, which yeah. by the way, there's a lot of money in that these days. Uh, but oh, gotcha. one thing I do want to say about the groups, because even though you are really, really good at creating um, content that people engage with the big groups that are built out on Facebook, which lab coats is one of them. I looked it up. It's got like 86,000 members, something like that. The whole point behind building a big group is to somehow monetize that group. You extract their email addresses, you hit them with stuff, you sell them things, you get them in funnels, you get them to ultimately buy stuff. The whole idea behind masters is like the polar opposite of that. It's about just giving value and not taking value from people. And so I just wanted to kind of say that so that people understand the business models behind the two different types of groups in terms of what you're going for, because you're going for a smaller, more concise quality group that gives value to its members where bigger groups are looking to just add as many people as they can so they can extract value from their members. Yep. Thank yep. you. Cool. Okay. Well, I guess that's probably a wrap guys. All right. Episode 90 in the can. We got her done. Market's falling. Go sell your house now. And, um, <laughs> Zillow's taking over the world. Uh, Lockboxes are cool, and Masters is awesome. There's the cliff notes. So, perfect. <laughs> All right, all right, guys. This is episode ninety. Wrap it up. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to our show, and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.